Well, the USA Today coaches poll just came out yesterday, and I got to tell y'all, the disrespect that South Carolina is getting in the 2021 offseason is getting really ridiculous at this point. Our Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecock sports teams. I'm your host, as always, Andrew Lyon, and as always, thank you for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast daily. All right, so for today's show, I've got a lot to unpack for all of y'all, so real quickly, here's the roadmap. In segment two of today's show, I'm going to discuss some notes that was taken by Gamecock Central's Wes Mitchell from South Carolina's fourth practice that they have held during fall camp just yesterday. In the final segment of today's show, I will talk about Lamont Paris and the men's basketball team landing their second 2023 commitment in just the last three days from another in-state prospect. Before I do get into all of that, I'm going to start off today with the USA Today preseason AFCA coaches poll, which was released. Here is the article heading for those of you who are watching this on YouTube. If you want to go and look it up yourself and take a gander at it. And there was a lot, of course, to digest with this preseason coaches poll. So let's go ahead and get started with where South Carolina is slotted, because I've got a few things to say about where South Carolina was placed here. Now, South Carolina wasn't included in the top 25. I'll go ahead and let everybody know that. You don't have to go and look to see if we were placed in there. Now, obviously, if you're a very rational South Carolina fan or, you know, you understand how college football media works and everything, then, yeah, that's probably not a surprise. And they did receive a few votes, which I also expected to take place. But I've got a real issue with where they are slotted especially compared to a lot of teams outside of the top 25. So to get straight into it, the following teams were slotted ahead of South Carolina. The Auburn Tigers, who went 6-7 and seven last year, they were placed at number 31 and received 98 votes for the top 25. North Carolina, who South Carolina demolished in the Duke's Mayo Bowl on a neutral field, was ranked 33rd, basically, receiving 34 top 25 votes. Mississippi State, who finished the year 7-6 and six last season as well and got annihilated by Texas Tech in their bowl game, was ranked 36th, receiving 19 top 25 votes. Florida, who went 6-7, and seven, underwent an entire coaching change, and last season, again, got drubbed by South Carolina and Columbia, no matter which way the Gator fans want to talk about that, saying that their team gave up at that point. Doesn't matter. The final score was the final score, 40-17. to 17. They got slotted at 37th, receiving 17 top 25 votes. And then Appalachian State even. And don't get me wrong, I love Appalachian State. They've done a great job up there with their football program. They are a very underrated group of five team. App State even was slotted ahead of South Carolina at 42nd with 10 top 25 votes. So where was South Carolina ranked? They were ranked 44th overall, receiving 
five votes for the top 25. Now, now I understand this is a preseason poll. So I get that this is not going to hold any actual weight, especially once football actually gets underway for the 2022 season in the last weekend of August. But this is flagrantly disrespectful to the South Carolina Gamecocks for multiple reasons. To start off, for South Carolina to be ranked seven spots or more behind three teams that they defeated last year in Auburn, Florida, and North Carolina, two of those games where the game was not even close. What happened this offseason with those programs compared to what South Carolina has done that puts those teams above South Carolina right now? Seriously, what have they done? And then to get to the SEC's overall hierarchy based on this coach's poll, you mean to tell me that out of 14 teams in this conference, South Carolina is apparently 12th out of those 14 teams, the third worst. Based on this poll, we return the third highest amount of production in the SEC, coming off of a 7-6 and six season, which, by the way, most odds makers projected we were only going to win three to four games, basically. That included three SEC wins last year. They brought in the 24th best high school recruiting class and compounded that by bringing the 9th best transfer portal class for the 2022 cycle. And we're somehow going to be even worse in the conference standings this next season? I don't get that at all. And here's the problem. Some of the media and college football base are going to hear this and they're going to think that I am saying or because of everything that I just brought up, that I basically think that South Carolina is going to go to Atlanta, compete for the SEC championship game, and I want to make it clear, I nor any rational South Carolina fans in this fan base are actually thinking that or saying that. None of us are. The majority of us have been remaining cautiously optimistic the entire offseason in terms of what South Carolina could do. With the max amount of wins even most of us are thinking South Carolina could get being eight or nine wins. Not an SEC championship trip, not some New Year's Six game, none of that. And we think that that's fairly reasonable, but yet South Carolina fans get dragged through the mud this offseason anytime they bring that up because it's almost like they basically said South Carolina's going to go to the college football playoff. And then a certain segment of other college football fans are just all up in arms about it. It makes no sense. And for those college football fans who would look at this poll and say, well, this was a poll done by FBS coaches, 65 or 66 of them. So obviously, they know something that you don't know. Let me say this. How much time, realistically speaking, do you think that all these coaches who voted in this poll spent doing research on all of these teams? I mean, think about it. How much time do you think they're actually going to spend on all? And that's not meant as a shot to the coaches who voted in this poll. That's just the way things are. With the way college football is now, the transfer portal, name, image, and likeness, having to recruit basically your own team while recruiting four different recruiting classes to try to get future prospects into your program, it has never been more difficult to be a head coach in college football than it is right now. So when you got so much going on, you're not going to spend time actually doing your due diligence and research, even if you're a head coach that really cares about this kind of stuff. It's just not going to happen. Now, 
That's South Carolina's side of things. Now let's talk about some of their opponents that are in the top 25. South Carolina had five opponents ranked in the top 25 for this preseason coaches poll. Georgia was ranked third in this poll. Clemson was ranked fourth in this poll. Texas A&M was ranked seventh in this poll. Kentucky was ranked 21st, and Arkansas was ranked 23rd. Now, I'm not going to get into my predictions just yet because that will be for later this month, but I will tell you right now, three of these five teams I don't think belong where they are. And I don't mean that in a positive way for those teams. And based on the way I've talked about all of these teams up to this point in the summer, I'll let y'all figure out which three teams I'm talking about there. This preseason poll, the thing I don't like, besides everything I just mentioned with South Carolina, is this is going to just feed the narrative for the whole crowd this offseason. And it's a pretty big crowd of people who look at South Carolina and they go, well, y'all showed potential last year, and you definitely seem like you've improved your roster, but your schedule is just too daunting, and you are guaranteed five or six losses. You might end up having the same record as you did last year. And the people who believe in that narrative, quite frankly, are just being lazy. They're not doing their homework. They're not actually looking at all the changes that have taken place with this team, how much better they've gotten compared to pretty much every other team in the SEC Eastern Division. They are just being lazy. Not saying that those people aren't knowledgeable whatsoever, but you're being lazy. Period. End of story. My final point with this coach's poll. I will say these narratives and polls that have portrayed South Carolina the way they have this offseason, it's going to make it much easier for South Carolina to make noise this coming season and get the attention that they deserve. Because needless to say, I think South Carolina is going to perform well above the expectations that these pollsters have placed on them in this coach's poll. So now that I've gotten off my soapbox with that coach's poll, coming up in just a couple moments, I am going to talk about South Carolina's fourth fall camp practice. Some notes that Gamecock Central's Wes Mitchell took. I'm going to take just a couple of those from his article, discuss some of them in detail. And then, of course, again, at the end of the show, I will talk about the commitment of Arden Conyers. But before I do get into all of that, I want to make sure that y'all understand that as you gear up for fall camp, you need the right people on your team to help your small business fire on all cylinders. LinkedIn Jobs is here to make it easier to find the people you want to talk to faster and for free. Myself being a recent college graduate, I've been able to stay in touch and create a network with many people who are alumni of the University of South Carolina. When you use LinkedIn Jobs, you can create a job post in minutes to reach both your own personal network and a worldwide professional network consisting of 810 million people. You can also add your job to that purple hashtag hiring frame on your profile, which helps you to find the right people that fit the job description to a T, using tools like screening questions to filter through candidates and populate viable choices. It's why small businesses rate LinkedIn Jobs number one in delivering quality hires versus other leading competitors in the industry. LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the candidates, again, that you want to talk to faster. Did you know that every week nearly 40 million job seekers are using LinkedIn? Why would you sit back and watch all these people go on LinkedIn and not have your job posted on there? So go ahead and post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Once again, that is linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free today. Terms and conditions do apply. All right. 
So moving on to the fourth practice that took place in South Carolina's fall camp just yesterday. I'm going to discuss a few notes from an article that was posted by Wes Mitchell of Gamecock Central regarding what took place in yesterday's practice and some observations that they took. Here is Wes Mitchell's article header for those of you who are watching this on YouTube. And also, this article is an On3 Plus exclusive content article, meaning that you will have a paywall if you try to access this and you don't have an On3 subscription. Okay, so what Wes Mitchell took down from yesterday's practice? Well, there apparently was some 11-on-11 work in the second practice that was open to the media for fall camp. And because of this, the media got a look at who the potential first-team lineup could be for South Carolina heading into the fall. And there's a couple interesting notes that I took from the lineup that was typed down. First team on offense, Dylan Wonham was taking first team reps at right tackle. Now, of course, that doesn't mean that Tyshawn Wanamaker hasn't gotten any first reps at right tackle in his own right. I'm sure that they've probably been splitting those up a little bit between both of these guys. But for when the media was there yesterday, Dylan Wonham was getting the first team reps. And with all the experience that he does have over Tyshawn Wanamaker, as I've mentioned before, it makes sense that he's probably getting at least a couple more first team reps than Tyshawn Wanamaker at this moment in time. Staying on the offensive side of the ball, lining up for the second team at wide receiver, two of the three wideouts were Corey Rucker, who again is the Arkansas State transfer wide receiver from this past spring, and Xavier Leggett, senior wide receiver from Mullins, South Carolina, I believe. And both of these guys, again, I mentioned before, could be in contention for that third wide receiver spot. Of course, Jaheim Bell is going to be maybe lining up all over the place more than he did last year. So he could end up being a third wide out in certain formations. But Corey Rucker and Xavier Leggett, at least in this formation, which involved, I believe, two or three wide receivers, lined up on the second team. Doesn't mean, again, they haven't gotten any reps on the first team, but that was what the media saw Jaheim Bell did see some work with the running backs, which feeds into the storyline that has really been building over this past offseason, which is with all Jaheim Bell's athleticism and playmaking ability that he showcased in glimpses or certain games this past year, of course, was not utilized enough. Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator for the Incox, has said multiple times now he wants to get Jaheim Bell the ball more and he wants to be able to kind of line them up all over the place where we can create mismatches and I think that's obviously a very smart plan for Jaheim Bell to be able to utilize him to the best of his ability and this may involve him going back there in the backfield. Jaheim Bell, um, Marcus Satterfield has mentioned before that he views Jaheim Bell like Debo Samuel 2.0 which probably means that if you watched any of the 49ers games or any of the games Debo was playing in this past season then, yeah, Jaheim Bell is about to get a lot, a high volume of carries and targets in this South Carolina offense, which, again, very well deserved after what we saw this past season. And then two guys who are noted as being standouts so far in fall camp and based on what they've heard throughout the summer were linebacker Muhammad Kaba and athlete, I say athlete, or defensive back currently, Nick Emanwari. Apparently both of these guys have had really strong camps at this point. Muhammad Kappa, they listed as a guy that apparently could see a bigger role in the defense this year. And obviously with Sherrod Green having had two season-ending injuries the last two seasons and the Gamecock coaching staff probably trying really hard to avoid throwing him out there for too many plays during obviously a practice or a scrimmage and eventually football games. 
it makes sense that Muhammad Kaba is apparently being discussed as a guy that could see a bigger role in this defense. The previous coaching staff that was here viewed him as the next Ernest Jones. Again, a guy that I mean, he wasn't the highest rated prospect coming out of high school, but possessed all the tools needed to be that guy at linebacker. And apparently Muhammad Kaba is really starting to come into his own this fall camp. And then Nick Amanwari, apparently, despite being a true freshman, he already shows a really solid physical frame as a college defensive back, again, currently. And apparently has also been a real sponge in terms of understanding the defensive system that Clayton White wants to run. So he's been getting some reps, apparently, with the twos out there in that secondary. And so, obviously, I think that's a good sign if you're a Gamecock fan, because Nick Amanwari has been talked up by a lot of different guys who followed South Carolina recruiting very heavily as someone who could be a diamond in the rough, someone who can really be a star on this defense because he's so versatile. He brings a really solid, he brings really solid athleticism to the field, and he brings a solid frame and is rangy. So you've got really the best of both worlds in terms of tangibles and intangibles with Nick and Manworry. And so both of these guys apparently have been really big standouts in fall camp up to this point. And one other thing that I want to throw out there before I move on to the final segment of today's show, defensive tackle TJ Sanders is apparently another guy who has shown some flashes at fall camp so far. This is a still snapshot of a tweet that was put out there by Gamecock Scoop, who ended up taking the video yesterday. They were doing some inside run drills, it looks like, on the 15 or 20-yard line, just basically one-on-one, can you beat your man who's going to win the battle on each individual play? And Sanders apparently won a couple of plays pretty much on his own. And this play in particular just absolutely blew past freshman offensive lineman Ryan Brewbreaker and showcased the explosiveness and speed that he brings at defensive tackle. Again, I've mentioned before in my sort of position preview or position breakdown video on the defensive line that TJ Sanders could have the highest ceiling currently out of all of these defensive tackles that are on this roster. And I think that, you know, with the added time that he has got now in the system, he is now gaining a higher volume of reps in practice and he's really starting to put it together. Now, does that mean that he's going to be a backup and a really big rotational player in the middle of this year? No, not necessarily. I still think that there's still a lot of guys in front of him who, again, have more experience, who have played a much higher amount of games and snaps that are just going to be too much for him to beat out fully for a really big role. But either way, I think TJ Sanders is right now proving, based on at least that video, and if you have Twitter, I recommend that you go check it out, he is going to help this defensive line in some fashion in the 2022 football season. All right, so for the final segment of today's show, let's talk about the commitment of home state prospect Arden Conyers out of Blythewood, South Carolina and Westwood High School. So Conyers is the second commit for the 2023 recruiting class as Colin Murray Boyles, who played at AC Flora High School, last year just committed two days ago so a nice little string of commitments here for Lamont Paris and this coaching staff regarding in-state prospects for South Carolina now how good of a prospect is Arden Conyers well Conyers is rated as a three-star recruit and the third best prospect in South Carolina for his class according to 24-7 sports composite rankings and some of the other teams that he was offered by were Radford, Winthrop, Wofford, 
North Carolina A&T, and others. So a few teams right there that have had multiple appearances in the NCAA tournament over the last 10 years or so. Some really solid mid-major offers. And otherwise, all the rest of his offers were mid-major offers as well. South Carolina being, I believe, the first Power 6 offer for Arden Conyers. So when looking at some of his AAU highlights with the Upward Stars that is planted right here in South Carolina from back in the spring, these were the notes that I took from his games. He's confident with his three-point shot, and he can hit it consistently. He's a really solid marksman from outside. He also is really good at recognizing good scoring opportunities for teammates. Basically, matchups where you know guys have a really solid chance to maybe get a bucket. He's not afraid to pass the ball. He's not one of those guys that once he gets the ball, he's kind of just going to dribble around, try to maybe see if he can cross up the defender or maybe give himself space to do like a step-back three-point shot. Conyers is not like that. Conyers has a really solid IQ, especially on the offensive end, when it comes to recognizing opportunities for his teammates. He also showed an ability to take it coast-to-coast off a defensive rebound, and he showed glimpses of a nice spinning fadeaway shot as well, and and also showed that he could take defenders off the dribble at certain times as well. So overall, Conyers is... Someone who could be a volume shooter, and he could be deadly from deep, but he also showcases offensive versatility in terms of how he can score, and again, he's not afraid to pass the ball to his teammates if he thinks they got a good enough look or an open shot. So what are the expectations for Arden Conyers heading into year one? Well, I think based on the roster makeup of the small forward position currently, which right now really only consists of Hayden Brown, the graduate transfer out of the Citadel, I think that Conyers will definitely get some minutes off the bench in year one to provide a spark offensively when it is needed. Now, will he potentially start remains to be seen, as Lamont Paris could try to hit the portal again to bring in a more experienced player who has played at the collegiate level for at least a couple of seasons. But Conyers, I think, shows potential to be an offensive weapon in Paris' offense. Again, Paris wants guys who are going to be willing to pass the ball between all five players and guys who also are not afraid to shoot the ball. And that's definitely a great way to describe Arden Conyers' game over at Westwood High School. So in my opinion, a solid pickup here from Lamont Paris. He might not really contribute a whole lot once he gets here, but give Arden Conyers a couple years. I think he could be a really solid starter for the Gamecocks in this swing offense for Lamont Paris. So with that being said, y'all, that is going to do it today for the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. I hope that y'all enjoyed today's show. As always, what are y'all's thoughts on the USA Today preseason coaches poll? Do y'all feel like the Gamecocks got flagrantly disrespected with where they were slotted? Did you expect the Gamecocks to be slotted right there? Do you think it was fair for South Carolina to be ranked behind some of these other teams like Auburn, like North Carolina, like Florida? How do you feel about where South Carolina's opponents stand in the top 25? Do you think any of those teams are ranked too high or maybe even too low? Also, how do you feel about what South Carolina is doing in fall camp up to this point? Has it upped your excitement even more about the upcoming football season? And what are your thoughts on Arden Conyers? What do you think he could bring to the hardwood for Lamont Paris and the South Carolina men's basketball program? I want to hear your thoughts down below in the comment section, as always, if you're watching this on YouTube. But if you're listening to this on an audio podcast app, wherever you get your podcast daily, you can also feel free to shoot me a message at a lion underscore SC on Twitter, and I'll be sure to respond to any replies or comments that you have for me as quickly 
as I see them. And also, if you've enjoyed the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast and you want to get more on the entire SEC conference, then make Lockdown SEC your second listen every day, where host Chris Gordy and the local experts of Lockdown take you across the entire SEC in just 30 minutes. So again, make Lockdown SEC your second listen after, of course, the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast. But once again, y'all, that's going to do it for me on today's show. Hope that y'all have a great rest of your Tuesday, and I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Lockdown Gamecocks podcast.